Welcome to the What's the Word podcast. I am your host, Tiffany Johnson. Now, have you ever wondered, what does the Bible, Jesus, Christianity have to do with the current world today? Well, this podcast is going to take current events, pop culture, history, and from a biblical perspective, look at its importance today. As we go into the word, we're going to be asking each other, hey, what's the word? Hey, welcome back to another week of What's the Word, the podcast. I am so glad that you joined me again, and I have some sad news. I was not able to align all the schedules together to start our new series quite yet, but it is in the works. The first movie has already been watched, but we are still aligning when we can record. And so that allows me in some wonderful ways to talk about one of my favorite topics and something I was going to talk about in the next coming weeks, but it gets to pop in a little bit sooner today. And that is a topic of the role of the church. And I'm excited about this because it's near and dear to my heart. And I think uh, it's important as we are asking ourselves, what's the word? What does God have to say in our culture today? What is God saying over the culture of the church today? Are we living as it has been written about in scripture? Are we looking like what Jesus was hoping that we would look like as we entered into this new age of grace through the cross and what that is called to look like in our world today? So that's what we're going to jump into is basically, are we doing it right? Are we getting this right today? Are we looking like the church of Jesus Christ that we're supposed to, to our neighbors, to this world, to our region, and et cetera, et cetera, and to the ends of the earth, until the ends of the earth. So let's get started today. Well, for those who may not know this about me, I was raised in a pastoral home. My grandfather was a pastor. He pastored for over 70 years and he was uh, 92 when he passed away and he was still preaching at a church. He still had a church at that time. Such a huge inspiration to me, one of the biggest impactors of my personal life. And I always say that I do not remember one message he ever preached. I know that sounds awful, but very few sermons do I remember. But I remember how he lived. And because he was the person who was always present with me, picking me up after school, hanging out with me, taking me alongside with him, I saw Christianity lived out through his life. And in fact, that probably impacted me more than being inside the church and seeing who he was on stage. Like I said, I don't remember as a child really anything that he preached. Um, when I became an adult, there's more that I do remember, but growing up, it was really how he lived out his Christianity before my eyes and living out his role as a pastor. His role as a pastor really has formulated how I want to be with my ministry and with my life and that he always had an open door. My grandpa, he had one of those um, heavy screen doors. You know what I mean? Like you open it and then it's like ka-chunk. Like it's like as soon as that door slams, it scares you to kingdom come. And um, But you knew somebody was walking through that door and he always had that door open. He always had his, you know, the, the main door open and the screen door just right there. And there was just an open door policy. And if you knew this about my grandfather, you literally could come over anytime. I mean, if if you saw that that door was open, walk on in. And uh, my grandpa was probably sitting there um, if he wasn't out doing ministry. And 
he would just he would just be so welcome. He would be like, what do you need? What's going on? How can I pray for you? And um, and it's funny because it was kind of as much as people came into the home. I spent a lot of my life in other people's homes, going to uh, hospitals. Golly, I spent a lot of times at hospitals with my grandfather and um, being with people. And my grandpa would stay with people until the surgery was through. So he wouldn't just come and just be like, okay, let me pray for you. Until, you know, the release was like, it's a-okay. And, you know, even if he had an opportunity, um, if possible, to see that person, even after the surgery, he would. He was very diligent of that. He was a pastor, that he walked with you and through life with you, that he took being a shepherd very, very seriously. And so that has kind of been my role model in my life, the person who set the bar for me and ministry. And so oftentimes, um, as I go to churches and now that he's passed away and trying to find my own church, I'm always asking myself, what is the role of the church? What are we doing and are we doing it right? And, uh, and I know that's a large question. And I think that goes beyond even the pastors of the church. I think that there has been a Christian culture created. And so I'm asking myself, Lord, is this a Christian culture that you want to to exist? Are we hitting what you desired when you said, on this rock, I will build my church? Well, the church itself, I think we have made it buildings. I think we made it bigger buildings and bigger uh, arenas and, and everything like that. And I'm privileged to have worked with some amazing ministries that are impacting the world. Um, and it's impactful and it's effective. Um, so sometimes the bigger, the better, but recently I have been reflecting on the smaller, the greater. And I really do believe that there is something to be said about the everyday life that God walks with us with and how we do that as one another, as of course, the pastors and leaders and ministers, um, but as also as congregates with one another, I do believe that we can be so heavy handed on the pastor and blame the pastor for everything. Um, and there are some things to be said of that, especially when it comes to shepherding people and making sure that the welfare of people are taken care of. But the overall of the ecclesiastia, I can't even say it, ecclesia, of the church, um, what does it mean to be the church of which we're being built upon the rock and we're going out into all the world and making disciples? I think we have made that a ministry calling of one person. You know, pastor, you're called to go out into all the world and make disciples in the name of Jesus. Well, no, that was to all his disciples. So for every single person who claims to know Jesus, you have the same call really as your pastor. Your pastor really is called to empower you to do the work of the ministry in your marketplace or wherever you're at. His role really is, or her, to pour into you um, the ministry of the gospel to go forth and to proclaim the gospel to all nations. And your nations sometimes looks like the people who sit around your dinner table every night. It looks like the people that you work with. It looks like the people who is your neighbor. Um, you know, I think that that's how, you know, when he goes into Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, it's from that very small point of where you are right now and to the region of maybe your city and to the region of your state and to all the world. I think that we tend to make ministry seem so big that we can find, we can forget how impactful small touches and small realities are. And that sometimes that is the biggest touch. You know, when Jesus said, Hey, they asked, when did we see you? And, um, I can't remember that scripture off the top of my head, but 
uh, when he says, you know, when did I do this and miss you? And he said, well, you know, when you gave a cup of cold water in my name, that's, that's where this is at. I remember there is Matthew 10, but it's actually Matthew 25 that I am thinking of. Uh, Matthew 10 talks about the cup of cold water in his name, but it is actually in the parables of Matthew 25 that we see that Jesus is talking and giving the parables of even the the sheep and the goats, the parable of the bags of gold, and the parable of the 10 virgins. So it's actually in verse 35 where we begin, and this is actually out of the context of the sheep and the goats parable that is being spoken by Jesus. And he says, starting in verse 35, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and gave you something to drink? When did you see this? When did we see a stranger, you as a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did you, when did we see you sick or in prison and go visit you? It says the king will reply, truly, I say to you, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on the left, depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. They will all, they will answer, Lord, did, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger needing clothes or sick or in prison and we did not help you? And again, he says, he will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. I am always amazed how powerful that is because I do believe that there is power in the little. It's power in the little needs that God really uses us to be the response to one another, to give out of our resources, to give time and and to meet simple needs of people. And I believe that as you look at Jesus, there's always a connection of the kingdom of earth coming, but also in connection to meeting a need. And I think that there are so many things that God says to us that can be simple touches of this is the gospel going forth by doing something in his name that meets the need of someone who's in need. So giving a cup of cold water, visiting them in prison, clothing someone who doesn't have clothes, those are the gospel opportunities being expressed. That is the gospel going forth. When we do it in his name, it shows that he closes close us. He cares about our needs. He cares about what goes into our body as much spiritually, as much as the physical. All those things are all encompassing of the gospel going forth. And I believe that sometimes because politics is so heavy and can be so heavy in the church that people can often confuse their political views with their Christianity. And I think it's so off base. I'll be very honest. I'm sure that might make somebody very mad. I am very strong on biblical values, but to, to dismiss, sometimes I believe that we can miss biblical opportunities because we're so caught into what is the right or the left doing that we can often miss that we're called as a church to be the answer to the world today, that we're called to 
be those who help the sick. We're called to be those who help the poor, that we're called to be those who welcome in the stranger, to, to welcome in our neighbor and to love them as ourself. Those things are the implemental basis of the gospel. And it can be so missed because I believe more people know about their politics and they even know about their Bible. Bible literacy is the highest in the world today. And the saddest thing is, is that when you think about the early church, they didn't have the written text that we do now. They don't have their Bibles where you can have, you know, go out and buy a Bible today for as little as $5, honestly. Um, or you could get one for free, even through the Gideons. I mean, there's so many opportunities that we have so much access than we've ever had to the word today. We have podcasts like this one. The word of the Lord is going forth. We have television. It's in the airwaves. It's on our radios. But yet we are so disconnected with the Bible than ever before. And obviously we have more Christians in the world today than we've had at any time. Even though I know that there is a great fear um, and there is a lot of truth of people falling away from the faith and no longer following it anymore. Um, that is a real reality. And the next generation is the most um, lost generation, I will say, that we've had in, in centuries to come. But the church itself, we have to remember, started out with 12 men. It started out with Jesus coming to the earth and proclaiming the gospel message, and it grew from there. So whether the church is large or small, the question is more to be asked is, are we on track? Are we making impact? Because when the church is functioning, it goes out into the world and makes disciples. You know, I am thankful for these statistics that tell us where we're at, and I think it's a wake-up call to the church, but it never should be a prophecy. It should never be a telling of, hey, this is just going to be how it is. Because as long as me and you exist on the earth and we're loving and believing in Jesus, we always have our neighbors and the people around us that God has called us to tell the story of his good news and to give an opportunity for them to give their lives to Jesus as well. And I believe that that in itself is a rippling effect. It is the person who is in front of you. So even though I'm thankful for statistics, we know biblically, yes, we are going to see a great falling away. Yes, there are perilous times to come. And I think we have already entered definitely birth pains into what is to come. But if you are on the planet, if I am on the planet, then the small touches are so, so, so great. And I believe, like I said, it's not always the bigger, the better. It's the smaller, the greater. I know last week was to be a preview and kind of a showing of what we were doing going forward. And this is going to be definitely one of these podcasts that's going to talk about just like a preview of what we're going to talk about. What is the role of the church? We're going to go deeper into that after we get through the Hallmark series and kind of going into Christmas anyways, um, as one of the biggest celebrations, obviously, of Christ during the year, just like Easter and it's the time that the gospel is proclaimed more than any other time. It's amazing to me that Christmas is, um, man, it's always so special. But through the songs, through the telling of the Christmas story, um, it's amazing how the, the message of Christ goes across the world more than any other time throughout the year. It's the time of anticipation, and of course, that it has been replaced with Santa and other things that 
maybe do not tell that story at all. But God's word is still going forth. As you hear the hymns that we so know that we still sing, Silent Night, and all the things that tell about the story of Jesus that still people use, even if they're trying to talk about something that is not connected. Those songs have been in our culture enough that it's actually the word of the Lord going forth. And so we're going to talk more about the role of the church. And this is kind of that introduction time and our importance in the world today in the next series after the series that is on pause for just a second. Before we close out, I just wanted to share the story of my real-life example of learning the gospel and what we're called to be about, too. So my grandfather, as I said, was a pastor, and he never played the radio. Never. Like, I don't remember one time getting into his car and the radio was on, but he sometimes would have maybe like a Gaither CDN with all the hymns, and I mean, he just loved the hymns. It it was what he grew up with, and it has made me love them as well. But he would use his voice. So every time we'd get in the car, he always was singing. No matter where we went, he always had a song in his heart. We could be in the grocery store, and my grandpa would just start singing. I mean, and he had a great voice, I will say. Um, but it was just the overflow of his heart, the overflow of praise from his heart to the Lord. And... um I would, it would annoy me. I'll be honest as a kid, it would annoy me. But you know, what's funny is that I didn't know Jesus. So now I can realize I was kind of not walking in the light. You know what I mean? I was walking in some deep darkness and anytime you're not walking with Jesus, you're just walking in darkness. But, um, it would, it would just irk. I mean, it was like my skin would crawl every time he started singing. And obviously it was my life (laughs) manifesting um, and definitely demons in my life coming to the surface like, Uh, but it's funny now that I look back at it, I, I look at the praise that was in his heart and listen, he would start right in. We'd get in the car and then all of a sudden he'd be like on a hill far away, you know, and I'd be like, oh man. Like, I wish this hymn was far away from me right now, but it was just so the overflow of his life and living a life of worship. And I know that we hear that phrase so often, but I believe that it is the greatest call of the church is to live a life of worship and devotion unto Jesus, that we are set apart. And I think that uh, a part of, I think, well-intentioned to reach the next generation and to be kind of seeker friendly as it was first started out being, I, I think that term, I don't even know what they call it today um, because it was so controversial even when it happened. Um, but I think in being seeker friendly that we have forgot to be set apart. And my grandpa was just so set apart, you know, and, um, and that in itself always drew me to my grandpa, even with my dad's side of the family, um, they're Catholic and my grandpa was Methodist. So there's just, uh, there's some just doctrinal things, not anything bad, but my grandfather, um, my grandfather just is, was very set apart, just very set apart and how he would always bring in Jesus into the conversation and everything. And that of course was his heart as a pastor. But I think the hardest thing with everything is that people felt like, I don't know. I think people thought that's just his role as a pastor. And I would think, man, that's just who my grandpa is. Like, this is just my grandpa being my grandpa. This isn't like he walks into a room 
And he's like, okay, well, now that the pastor's here, I better talk about Jesus. It was the overflow of his life and God. It was the overflow of this is what I believe and why I believe it. And, um, and such a right and, and living in righteousness and holiness, the things that he didn't do in his private life um, because of his personal, personal conviction with Jesus. Yes. As a leader and knowing that he was a pastor, but also because he loved God and he wanted his life to be pure and he wanted nothing to hinder his walk with God. And so even as I have been living out my Christian life, I have to ask myself, Lord, is there anything in my life that's hindering me from you, from being a witness for you? You know, because I don't have a, uh, since he passed away, I have been a part of ministry, but I'm not in an assistant um, or associate role like I was ministering to people and having my own flock with him. Um, and so, and that's hard. I miss, I, to be honest, I miss it. I miss that that part of my life very much, but there's other ways to live it out. And that's also being very present. And I think that's why, even as I'm examining this, I'm walking this out really with you as my audience, because, um, really I don't want to say audience. You guys are my friends. You guys are people who, uh, we're walking this out together and, and living life together. And so I truly believe, you know, as I'm learning, I'm going, God, what does this look like? And in my world today? How do I do this practically in my world today? I've been asking the Lord, Lord, make my table full. And what that means to me is even, Lord, whoever is on your heart who doesn't have a place to go, who you're thinking about that my table could be a ministry to them, let that be so. And so um, I will tell you how this has manifested in my life. And then we're going to close. And I just feel like this has been more conversational the last couple of weeks. And it's probably just my processing with you all. But I hope you're okay with it. Because if you're listening this far, I thank you for tracking with me um, and kind of talking this out with me. You know what I mean? Um, but last Christmas, uh, we, had, we met a lady who was amazing, who was volunteering. And she had moved from my home state. Um, well, I don't want to say moved, but she was basically spending a month where I live now um, to minister and volunteer for the whole month. And she was like, you know what? I don't have family. Um, so I just am volunteering my time and doing that. And it's just the overflow of my heart and it fills me up. And I just thought, oh my gosh, I was so inspired by her. And it was funny. I met her and I met um, another gentleman and that you know, he has lost his family and had lost his wife and just a lonely guy. And I I just felt this like tugging on my heart. And I was like, okay, I know it's Christmas, but I just, I'm feeling this. And, you know, I'll tell, tell you, be honest with you. You know, I think there's so many times that it's like, I'll have people at my table at any time, Lord, except for major holidays <laughs> or, you know, those things that are tradition, you know, things that doesn't change your schedule or the traditions that you've made. And um, I felt the Lord say to me, he said, Tiffany, will you lay down your traditions to minister to the people that I love? And I knew that there was really only one response <laughs> to be had to that question. But, um, and I honestly felt a grace to say yes to it. And I said, Lord, please let me, let my table be full. Cause my family is small. It's just me and my mom. So I know the importance of family and having family. And um, the Lord 
really said, because I, I had been praying to be honest at the Lord as a as our loneliness for me and my mom, that someone would invite us. And the the Lord said to me, he said, create it. Instead of waiting me for me to be asked to be a part of somebody's life or family at the holidays, the Lord said, why don't you create it? And I knew it wasn't a rebuke, but the Lord was giving me an invitation to, in its, in its sense, be an extension of my own need to somebody else to also go, you know what, why don't we all just get together? And, um, and so it was so beautiful. And now we couldn't do it on Christmas Day because of some people's schedules, but it went from one person to two people to three people to four people and um, and just people that needed a place to go. And so we spent our Christmas Eve and I can honestly tell you, I had the time of my life. I enjoyed it so much being with these people. And um, in fact, I mean, I love presents, but I enjoyed it more than Christmas Day. And I just remember just thinking and went, Lord, you made my heart feel so full because this is the ministry that you have for people is that in their need, you know, and I really credit the Lord more than, you know, uh, acclimate to myself because the Lord really was moving on my heart to show me his heart for ministry and what that looks like in practical ways. And and it, it is the call to be inconvenienced in his name, to lay down the conveniences that we have to meet that person in their need. And just like going back to my grandfather, a lot of times I remember is, you know, he obviously was home at night and people could come anytime he wanted, they wanted, but he was willing to be inconvenienced during dinner time, during the times where he had just gotten home from a long day of ministering to someone else. And he never turned anybody away because he was like, you know what, I'm too tired. I'm too busy anything like that. Now there would be times of course, that if there was something that we were doing together, he'd go, you know what, I'm going out with my family or have this obligation, but you know, I'm going to get right back to you. If not tonight, tomorrow. And he would make sure that he gave that person ample time to be ministered to. And I just so appreciated that as looking at that, because a lot of these people became more my family than sometimes the family that I had as much as I loved them, but I would spend more time with my church family. And, um, and when the crisis came, you know, it was like my family. And then you had your church family that were present too. And I'll never forget when my dad passed away, the waiting room was literally filled with, I would say, golly, um, 50 or not more between my family and our church family. And then the numbers kept growing. And I remember walking in and I felt like I was walking into my church with my family present. Um, And unfortunately, my dad passed away, but I went, this is what the church looks like when it shows up for one another. Then in its crisis, people know your name. They know how to pray for you. They come alongside of you and they don't let your arms fall to the ground when you're so weary. And so this is just, like I said, an introduction of what I feel like I want to talk about more as we get into Christmas. And of course, I'm going to break it down a lot better than just the conversation of today of what does it look like to be the church? What does the Bible say that the church is called to look like? And how does that look um, in our world today. And we are living in an ever-changing world, but we still have the same heart needs. We still live in a world that um, still needs, it, it says, I think about this when I read Proverbs, when it says, you know, a man needs unfailing love. Better to be, uh, what is it? Poor than a liar? I, I can't remember. So I, I can't remember that verse, I'll be honest. But it, I always think about that when I read it. A man longs for unfailing love. Every person longs for unfailing love. And we have that through the cross. And it manifests itself when we love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And we love our neighbor as ourselves.
I believe that's the church. All right. I think we have laid the groundwork enough. So next week, we are going to head back into It's a Hallmark Life, breaking down just in a fun way. Also talking about some of the biblical things that we see in these themes um, and these Hallmark movies. I think you're going to enjoy it and enjoy my friends. And uh, then after that, you just now got a preview of what's to come as we will be looking at the role of the church before going into our Christmas themed podcast. I'm so excited. Anyways, also, you know that the musical playlist of the month is coming very soon. It's going to be coming next month with some of the best in Christian music. Thanks again for listening to What's the Word, the podcast. Please hit like and subscribe. Share this with anyone you think that this would minister to. And I will see you next time.